Reigns going with him. Intercontinental Champion, Dolph Ziggler. I'm going to beat Greg Hamilton to the punch. This is the 20-Minute Time Limit Podcast. I'm Chris Morrison. You know me from Aftermath. And this is my review of WWE No Mercy, which went down on Sunday on the award-winning WWE Network from Sacramento, California. It was the second brand-specific pay-per-view for SmackDown Live. And first, before we get into the review, I've got to apologize. I know I'm coming to you guys a little bit late here, about 24 hours late. I didn't take into account that this is Thanksgiving weekend. So how about I just take a second here for all my Canadian fans, Canadian listeners, and wish you guys a happy Thanksgiving. I, on the other hand, had no clue it was Thanksgiving until Sunday night, and I realized that I had some family obligations and also some work obligations to tend to. So I enjoyed a nice Swiss chalet festive feast tonight. I had a little stuffing, a little turkey, a little pie, some french fries. You know, I did it the old Swiss miss, Swiss chalet way, the Sportsnet way. But let's put all that aside. Let's forget all about that. Happy Thanksgiving to all you guys out there. And let's start this whole No Mercy review on the 20-minute time limit podcast. So, gotta say right off the top, I think No Mercy, it was good. It, 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 it was good, okay? Uh, I'm not going to go too far and say it was great, say it was the best thing I've ever watched. I think it was handicapped right off the start, right before it even started, because number one, you had Becky Lynch go down with a mysterious injury, so she couldn't wrestle, so that left Alexa Bliss to eventually uh, wrestle Naomi, and then... And this not necessarily was a handicap, but then, of course, you've got the whole presidential debate and then and the whole rumor, speculation that WWE put the main event on first, which the main event was the WWE title match, Triple Threat, John Cena, Dean Ambrose against AJ Styles. They put that on first. Rumor has it because they figured people would be tuning over to the presidential debate. I don't quite believe that. I mean, it's a Sunday. It's fun day. And you want to watch a debate. And from all I've heard, the two candidates, they ain't what it's cracked up to be. At least that's what my boy Jesse the Body Ventura had to say. Anyways, let's get started. Like I said, it's triple threat. John Cena, Dean Ambrose against the WWE World Heavyweight Champion AJ Styles. And I gotta say, this was a good match. And it was a, a solid match, obviously, when you've got these three guys in the ring. And this match reminded me of the old school Saturday night's main events. And I, for all of you who are maybe a little younger than I am or haven't gone on the network and, and gone back and watched these Saturday night's main events, what they used to do is they used to have the title match on first. And then the event, as it got later in the evening, the event would go, you know, you'd have an Intercontinental Championship match. Maybe you'd have a grudge match. And then you'd have the tag team titles and then another grudge match. And it would just slowly build down as the night got older. 
But right off the top, they'd have usually Hulk Hogan against King Kong Bundy, the Ultimate Warrior against Ravishing Rick Rude, Ultimate Warrior versus Ted DiBiase. Uh, you get what I'm trying to say. So this kind of reminded me of that. And I really loved the ending of this whole match. I liked how AJ Styles was being forced to tap by two guys. John Cena had him in the STFU. And then, of course, you had Dean Ambrose who uh, put AJ Styles in the calf crusher. I thought that was pretty cool. And then AJ Styles, well, what are you going to do? You might as well tap because two guys can't win the match. Cena and Ambrose can't split the WWE title. Or can they? That's an interesting thought. What if? What if John Cena and Dean Ambrose had to split the title? What if SmackDown had decided to go in that direction? They didn't. Of course, they restarted the match. And then I just like how AJ Styles came in, no DQ, with a chair, and once again, pinned John Cena for the third or fourth time now. I liked it. I liked it. It was a solid match. Uh, you know what? Cena with the double German suplex. AJ had the double, the DDT neckbreaker thing. There was a lot of cool stuff. The suplex on the uh, ring apron, on the outside of the ring, that's always deadly whenever I see it. It's, it's arguably the most gruesome move that anybody can do to another man or woman, I should say, uh, in WWE at the moment. But you know what? I thought all along Styles was going to retain. It makes sense for Styles to retain. I hear through Twitter that he's going to face Dean Ambrose on SmackDown Live this week. So we get sort of another match between these guys. That's you know, like I've talked about this a, a, a lot, guys. You guys know this by now. My pet peeve in WWE is seeing matches over and over without some sort of, without anything different, you know, maybe a stipulation, maybe a third guy, you know, what they did right here with Cena, adding a third guy, at least it was different, and it wasn't just Styles versus Ambrose in a rubber match, which apparently we're going to end up getting on SmackDown on Tuesday anyways, but you know what, I'm really having a struggle right now, and trying to fantasy book, and trying to figure out where this thing's going to go, because right now, really, when you look at it, who does Styles have left to face, you know, because on one hand, you know, he's beaten Ambrose, and if he beats Ambrose Tuesday, you got to imagine that that's it for Ambrose, I mean, you got to kind of go back down the ladder, and is Cena coming back, you know, I mean, he's got movies, he's got TV shows that he's got to film, he's got to do, he's got other obligations, is he back full time, so what, what does that leave you with, I mean, I figure Randy Orton is next in line, however, however, the one pick I did get right out of WWE No Mercy was Bray Wyatt winning. Of course. Of course he was going to win. You know, he, and I mean, I say that with all confidence, but realistically, I mean, when you think about the way he was getting beat down uh, on promos, and then of course he doesn't win matches, you know, can't beat Kane. So of course he was going to have to win. I mean, like how f- much further down you can go. Uh, but of course... He didn't do it by himself. He did it with the help of Luke Harper. Now, I know Luke Harper did not touch Randy Orton, but he turned the lights out and he showed up in a hoodie and he spooked Randy Orton, who was already spooked to begin with. So I can't see this ending anytime soon, you know? And another question in this whole thing is, what is Survivor Series going to look like, you know? Does Survivor Series have a traditional Survivor Series match? And is it the main event, you know? Do we have SmackDown and Raw coexist together in the main event in a, you know, a SmackDown versus Raw tag match, traditional Survivor Series match. Or, you know what, 
Is it AJ and his team against maybe it's Orton and his team or Ambrose and his team or Cena and his team? A lot of questions left, left unanswered after this pay-per-view, and we will hopefully find out uh, as the months progress into Survivor Series, which is going down uh, from the ACC in Toronto, Ontario, Ontario, sorry, Canada. But I will say um, the choice to put Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton in the main event, uh, you know what, surprised me, definitely, 100% surprised me. Uh, You know what, I can understand you know, the drawing power of a Randy Orton. And still, even with all the losses that he racks up, Bray Wyatt. You know, the guy's got a cool entrance. He's got a creepy look. I mean, some of us aren't drinking the blue Kool-Aid. I know I'm one of them. I've said that over and over. But I really thought The Miz and Dolph Ziggler had the strongest story from SmackDown. Like, that was the strongest feud heading into this event. And I really thought, you know what? If Dolph Ziggler was going to lose, he did not lose, obviously, but if he was going to lose, maybe the best way to send him off, give him the curtain call, is to have that match go on last. So maybe the fact that it didn't go on last, it should have been a sign that he was going to win. I'm kind of shocked that he won. I mean, I was wrong. I picked The Miz. I was like 99.8% sure The Miz was coming out the winner here. Uh, But for me, too, in this whole pay-per-view, it was The Miz and Ziggler... That was the best match on the card. And it was the best feud leading up to the event. That match had everything. The reason why I'm a pro wrestling fan, I don't like to call it sports entertainment, just like I don't like to call them the club, it's the Bullet Club. That match had everything. The reasons why I've loved pro wrestling for over 35 years, were on display in that match. You know, you had The Miz cheating. You had him pull off the turnbuckle pad. You had Maurice cheating. You had the Spirit Squad come down. And then you had both of them sent to the back, only to have Ziggler beat The Miz with a super kick, without his boot on, mind you, and get the win. And for me, it was the most outrageous match. It was my favorite match of the night, the best match on the card. If anything, it was the only thing that saved this pay-per-view from feeling like I was watching an episode of SmackDown. But that's where I'm going to go with this. That's the one thing, the reason why I can say this was a good No Mercy pay-per-view. Is because unlike Backlash, there wasn't that one moment that stood out that made me go, oh, yeah, I'm watching a pay-per-view. You know... At Backlash, Backlash had those moments. You know, AJ Styles winning the WWE Championship. Keith Slater and Rhino winning. You know, the list goes on and on. This mat, this pay-per-view just didn't have those moments. And maybe if Ziggler and The Miz went on in the main event, maybe I'd change my mind. Maybe if Ziggler retired, I would change my mind. Because right then and there, you have that moment. You know, you can remember, hey... That was that pay-per-view where Dolph Ziggler retired and The Miz forced him to retire because he beat him and retained the Intercontinental Championship. I will say the one thing No Mercy did was it left a lot of questions because I'm questioning where this AJ Styles thing is going, who his next opponent is, whether it continues to be Ambrose and Cena in some way, shape, or form. 
But, I mean, the other thing, too, is now what happens to The Miz? The Miz was arguably the best wrestler, superstar of the year, in my opinion, in WWE. Where does he go from here now? You know, does he get a rematch? Uh, I know somebody on Twitter brought it up. Uh, You know, does it become career versus career now for the Intercontinental Championship? You know, like, we've seen The Miz beat Zack Ryder earlier this year. Zack Ryder had an Intercontinental Championship run of 24 hours. Is that in the future for Dolph Ziggler? Or does Dolph Ziggler carry on with the Intercontinental Championship? And really, in my opinion, because of this one feud, I mean, the belt has been elevated so far. And with The Miz, one of the hottest things going in SmackDown, and Dolph Ziggler just coming off of being the number one contender, is there a way to tie these storylines together because as much as I love seeing the Miz versus Dolph Ziggler I mean what made this special was it was title versus career now you can't do that every time I mean maybe I give it one more time and if it is career versus career I can look past the fact that we'd be watching the Miz versus Dolph Ziggler for the umpteenth thousandth time you know but at some point, things have got to change. And like I said, the, maybe the best thing coming out of No Mercy is the fact that the direction, in my opinion, is cloudy. It's a little muddy because, you know, just when you think Randy Orton's the obvious next number one contender for the title beating Bray Wyatt, which he didn't do, I know, but he didn't beat Bray Wyatt. So now, you know, conceivably, he can't just go after AJ Styles having lost one match to Bray Wyatt. I mean, he's going to want to get revenge, right? Like, it makes sense. You lose. You cost the match because of Luke Harper returning. He's going to want to get back at Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family. So maybe that is the Survivor Series, traditional Survivor Series elimination match. Maybe it's Randy Orton's team against the Wyatt family. Maybe it's just a six-man tag team match. But I will say, outside of The Miz and Dolph Ziggler, which was my favorite match at No Mercy, then I'll give it to Styles, Ambrose, and Cena. And then, yeah, okay, I'll give it to Orton and Wyatt. Outside of that, that is where No Mercy just, it it was like the stock market just plummeting. Um, Nikki and Bella and Carmella, uh, I liked... I love Nikki Bella. She's one of my favorites. She's fearless. Uh, and what, what's more to say about that, right? I mean, there was one point in this match where I legitimately marked out and I was, like, cringed when Carmella threw Nikki Bella into the LED screen that is along the ring now. Like, I gotta gi- I give it up to her, man. Like, that is unbelievable. What the women are doing now is absolutely fantastic. And it's almost to the point where you go, okay, yeah, you know what? Whether you're Styles, you know, whether you're Sasha Banks, whether you're Charlotte, Nikki Bella, Becky Lynch, you know, yeah, you're going to have a good match. Like, the matches are always, always crisp. Well, not always crisp, but you know what I mean. They're always good. They're always solid. The wrestling has never been better. The talent of the people in WWE in the ring has never been better. I just feel like they're, you know, the characters, the storylines suffer. That's all. But going back to that Nikki Bella Carmella match, I was surprised that Nikki got the win, hit her with the rack attack 2.0. Um, it's kind of cool that she did win. I like I don't mind that she won because she needed to get back at 
Carmella, who has basically had her way with her. Um, and now this gives Carmella, you know, should put another log on the fire, give her more fuel to get back at Nikki and maybe be more vicious. I like the way Carmella, I like how vicious she's getting, you know, whether it's just the ground and pound and just pounding away on Nikki, throwing her into the LED screen. I love that stuff. I love that stuff. Now, let's just skip a little bit and go to Alexa Bliss. I feel bad for Alexa Bliss here. You know, you're supposed to have a title match. You're a talented individual going up against one of the most talented women who unfortunately had an injury that she couldn't perform. I feel bad for her having to go up against Naomi. I mean, there was no direction in this. Like, there was no story leading up to this match, and you lose. You're the number one contender, and you lose a match to Naomi. Now, Naomi's talented. I get that. She has a cool entrance. But you're the number one contender for the Women's Championship, SmackDown Women's Championship. You cannot be losing matches. Now, if Becky Lynch is going to be out for a while, maybe it makes sense because, you know what, now you're pissed off because you lost and you didn't get a title match. You're blissed off, I should say, maybe. There we go. Hey, hey, I thought of something. I came up with something here. Blissed off. I'm sure it's been used before. Anyways, um, yeah, this kind of can take you on for a little bit. It includes Naomi, who's talented, uh, but I felt bad for her because I, you just didn't care. Like, I just didn't care. And then she loses the match, which then frustrates me because she's the number one contender for the women's championship. So now does that mean she's not the number one contender for the women's championship? See, this is where an actual win-loss record, a power ranking, would come into play. And this is where I feel like they've shot themselves in the foot WWE by not paying attention to the win-loss records. You know, Mick Foley just handing out title shots and, you know, having just these fatal four-way triple threat matches to determine number one contenders. I mean, it just means like, you know, you can lose a buttload of matches and then get put in one of these things, one of these little tournaments and come out the winner. And maybe for some it makes sense, uh, but for me, I'm just not feeling that. So uh, moving on, we've got the Usos and versus Slater and Rhino. I like the new look for the Usos. I like the new music. It's all good for me. Um, but the match was pretty flat, in my opinion. And Rhino hits the gore again, saves Heath Slater. They retain the tag titles. I mean, they retain the tag titles, so that's good. So that's a good thing because I love Heath Slater. The guy's super talented, and he's Paid his dues, man, in WWE. I mean, he's been the whipping boy for so long, so I'd like to see him on top of the mountain as long as humanly possible. My boy Baron Corbin won. He beat Jack Swagger. I would have liked to see something a little bit more definitive. I mean, Baron Corbin wasn't happy about suffering a loss and, and, and you know tapping when he didn't tap. And just to see him sort of just win and leave, I would have liked to see something a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more definitive. Hey, you know what? Maybe he starts picking on the referee who, who screwed him over. You know, tie in some of this stuff that's happening into the story and, and into his character. It, it would, it's like the simple but effective, man. It's simple, but it would go so far in building a character and even gaining some interest. You know, is, is this referee going to you know, spaz out and cost Baron Corbin? And if he does, is Baron Corbin going to just throttle him? Does Baron Corbin become the guy who goes after referees? You know, anything, anything to just develop character. And that is, like I've talked about, the wrestling has never been better. 
man, and it's it's awesome. The wrestling, the in-ring moves are crazy. But the characters, in my opinion, story still severely lacking. As much as I like SmackDown, and as much as I think it's way better than Raw at the moment, it still lacks character and some story development, in my opinion. You can have the greatest wrestling matches. You can put on the greatest matches. You can do all the flips and dives and power bombs and spot fests. You can do all that stuff. But without character and story, it's just guys flipping around the ring. So we heard the bell, and that brings uh, my review of WWE No Mercy to an end. Uh, Before I go, though, I will address Kurt Hawkins. uh, But I will say this about WWE Mercy. I'll give it my letter grade and my number grade. Um, For me, it was a 2 out of 5. It was that low. I mean, those... The two matches I really enjoyed were really, really good, but the rest of the show suffered, and it didn't make me feel like I wasn't watching just an episode of SmackDown, and I feel like if I'm tuning in on Sunday for three hours, I gotta feel like I'm watching something special, and I really just didn't get that feeling this time from WWE, no mercy. So, it's a two out of a five, I'll give it a D, C. C minus? C minus is a 2 out of a 5. A D would be probably a 1, and a 0 would be a failing mark. So, yeah, C minus. So, anyways, those are my letter and number grades. I want to get to Kurt Hawkins. I liked Kurt Hawkins, and I liked him coming out, and he kind of had, he was doing his own Eva Marie, talking himself to the ring, which I thought was kind of entertaining. Uh, But I will say this. He, to me, is like the vaudevillains. I feel like there is a certain portion of the fan base of the WWE universe, whatever it's called now, that gets the VOD villains. And then there's another portion, maybe the more majority, that doesn't get it. And I could see Kurt Hawkins, as much as I'm going to hate to say this, I could see it being a huge flop. Because a lot of fans just ain't going to get it. But I will say this. If Kurt Hawkins can find some edge, whether it's on Talking Smack Or just on SmackDown, like when he comes to the ring, when he cuts promos, if he can find some edge and push the limit a little bit, it's going to be great. And he'll be one of the best heels on SmackDown. Mark my words, write it in stone. So as always, hopefully you guys enjoyed this review. I will definitely be back later in the week with another 20-minute time limit podcast. Also a top turnbuckle podcast. And of course, if you disagree with me, if you agree with me, you just want to start a little wrestling chat on Twitter, you can find me at 20 Men Time Limit. And just to maybe play off of Kurt Hawkins a little bit, this has been the 20 Minute Time Limit Podcast. This has been Chris Morrison. Thank you and good night.